Before we get into the episode, we want to tell you about a podcast we love and think you will too. It's called Mental Brief. It's back for its second season. The Forward turned one of the most historic advice columns into a fun, modern, conversational show. Each week, two very different Jewish mothers, Gina Green, a black writer and movement builder from the South, and Lynn Harris, a comedian, will come together with The Forward's archivist, Hannah Pollock, to dish on the dilemmas of Jewish American life, identity, culture, and politics. Both historic and conversational, we know Eventual Brief will quickly become one of your favorite new shows. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Ben Kahn, and the last thing I prayed for was not really a prayer, but just kind of a one of those things where you try to ask the universe for something because I saw a YouTube video that said, hey, you should do this to manifest things. And I thought, that's bullshit, but hey, I'll try it. Why not? Because it's easy to do. Wherein you write down what it is you want, phrased a specific way, you fold it up and you put it in your wallet. So I just asked for the things that I want out of life, for all my creative endeavors to have the success that I want them to have and to be happy in doing them. Hey guys, welcome to Pray For Us. It's a podcast about religion. Yahoo! We're your hosts, JC and Jess. Hello. Hi. We're two former co-workers, and we're current millennial Jews based in L.A. Today, we're interviewing comedian and podcaster Ben Khan. Hi, Ben. Did I say your name right? Yes, you did. Thank God. I would have had to redo the whole thing if I didn't. It's funny being introduced as a comedian and podcaster because it's like something that I've never really considered as, I don't know what the hell I am. But I guess what would you injure, what would you say you are? I don't know. When I went not to brag, but when I went on Wheel of Fortune two years ago, I said stock trader. Interviewing today, stock trader Ben Khan. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to the podcast. There we go. <laughs> this is actually the perfect segue because I was going to ask how you identify in terms of religion. So it's really actually not as good of a segue <laughs> as I thought it was in my head. But feel free to answer the question. Uh, I identify... I identify as Jewish. And that... Over the weekend, uh, I think it was literally just... Was it yesterday or Saturday? It might have been just Saturday. I tweeted some stuff about Israel. And uh, I got just raked over the fucking coals by people. And it really sucked. And um, I'm sorry. Because, you know, that's... I, I basically, what I was trying to say and what I thought came across clearly was that as a Jewish person, I find it really disheartening and disappointing that so many progressive people have a very hard line view and very, basically people have a very narrow view and a, 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 a narrow view through a very present day lens if that even makes sense, Mm -hmm. of a very complicated issue. And they will be the first to point the finger at you and tell you that if you don't believe this exact set of things about this particular thing, you are wrong, you are a bad person, you are all of these things. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. Most of you people don't know anything about, like I said, a very 
complicated issue that they're very quick to just be like, no, it's either this or this, and you are either on this side or this side, period, honey. And it's just, it's exhausting <laughs> and it sucks. And We've it's, talked it, a lot about this. And, yeah. it's, and it's, I mean, I find it a little scary. And the reason that yeah, I find it's, yeah, it's, and, and we could go on and on and on. And I, I just, I don't want to derail into that whole fucking mess, but to answer your question, identify as Jewish. I am only half. My dad's side uh, is Jewish from Poland and Austria. And my mom's Same. side. Hey, there we go. And then uh, my mom's side uh, was just, I, I i don't know what the hell they were or are. Um, <laughs> they're from, I think my grandma was born in like North Dakota. And her lineage comes from one of the Scandinavian countries, which is probably why I'm tall and have more gentile features sometimes because i look like my mom she did convert to judaism when i was like 10 or 11 uh i had a bar mitzvah we were raised jewish so i identify as such but i don't practice anything really today but i feel it you know it's a it's a feeling that's what counts i want to backtrack to your mom converting Mm -hmm. so she converted when you were how old i think i was like i think i was around 10 or 11 I think it it was, I remember it being like a year or two before my bar mitzvah. So do you remember at all her going through that process and like, was it a reform conversion or what was? It was a reform conversion, but I do remember it being very intensive and it took a long time. I want to say it took years, but also when you're that age, summer feels like it was two years. Um, (laughs) And I remember she did the mikvah. And I remember her telling us about it. And I was like, whoa, you got naked for that? Like (laughs) a rabbi, a rabbi saw my mom naked. What the fuck? And she said, I didn't say any of that to her, but she was like, it was a female rabbi. And uh, she, funny enough, she's the only one in our family who really practices much uh, of anything. She'll celebrate Hanukkah kind of by herself. And uh, yeah. It's it's sweet. I I like that she's uh, okay. I was gonna say I like that she's alone, but <laughs> I like I like that, like she's, that she's passionate Ben Kong likes that his mom's alone. You heard it yeah. here first on the record. <laughs> she uh, yeah, she enjoys it and it brings her joy. So that's sweet. And I feel bad because I remember growing up. We went to I, I grew up with two brothers. So which I'm the middle child. And um, we would go to Friday night services just about every week. Uh, And it was a really special thing that at the time I didn't appreciate as much as I do now because I don't have anything like that today. I don't have Mm -hmm. that sense of um, community or belonging that uh, like I I took for granted back then. My temple was really special, a really cool place uh, that they've since demolished and remodeled, built up from the ground up. And uh, it was just a really cozy, big, old synagogue. And my dad would always fall asleep during services. <laughs> We'd all share one pack of Skittles that he had bought beforehand at the little convenience store down the street. And we were like sneaking Skittles and stuff. And, ah, Where are you I always sneak. I used to sneak Jolly Ranchers into Temple, and I thought that that was like the most joy that one could have. It's like... Sneaking a cherry Jolly Ranch through the pews. Yeah. The forbidden, forbidden fruit. 
forbidden snacks. Uh, Wait, where are you from originally? Long Beach, California. Oh, wow. I was getting East Coast or maybe even Midwest vibes from you. Interesting. But I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So you could technically go to the congregation that you grew up going to, right? Or did they bulldoze it and it's something else entirely? No, it's the same temple, Temple Israel. Uh, Great name. But yeah, <laughs> they they uh, it's just very modern now. And mm-hmm. the, the synagogue just kind of sucks. It used to be this huge dome that was like inside. It was massive. And now it's just a flat. I mean, it's still a high ceiling, but it's not it's not like what it was. Uh, it's way smaller. It's beautiful. It's still really nice, but it, it's just not the same experience. Right. What was the vibe in Long Beach with the Jews? Like, what? Because there was, you know, yeah. When I think of Orange County, I think like very Trumpy, very. Is Long Beach in Orange County? Long Beach is the southernmost city in LA County. So, right on the border. Oh, so I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Hey, I didn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, there was a, I, I felt like there was a good amount of. Jews in um, in Long Beach. I certainly went to school with a handful of them. There was, I felt like there were actually more in Orange County. The only temple that I knew of in Long Beach was mine. And then I feel like I remember there being a handful in uh, Huntington Beach. And I don't remember where else, but there, I mean, there weren't a lot. And did mm-hmm. you, did either of you ever do a dot noir? No, what is that? No, what, yeah, I don't know. For that. us, a dot noir was it was like the after you did uh, after you did the bar mitzvah class, a dot noir was like what came after. It was it was this program when I was a freshman in high school, where once a month they would take I think four or five synagogues from we were the only one in Long Beach, and then it was four, three or four from Orange County. And once a month, they would put us all on buses and we would go off to this camp in like the San Bernardino Mountains. something. And uh, that's where I had my first crush, Sarah Singer. Sarah, Sarah. Singer, where are you now? <laughs> Sarah Singer. She's got kids. She's married now. And I totally, it was going to be, it was supposed to be like my first kiss, but I had braces and I had no idea what I was doing. And I like, practiced <laughs> on my hand a bunch. And I, I was so fucking nervous it was insane how scared of kissing i was because i mean now i'm still scared but at least uh, <laughs> but at least you don't have braces yeah at least i don't have braces thank you but uh that was a really special cool experience it was it was jewish sleepaway camp and you'd, we'd go away I, I got to leave school early on like fridays and we all met at this one of the synagogue uh, one of the temples in the parking lot in, in orange county and then we'd get on the bus and go out there there were probably i want to say like 80 200 kids wow it was really special so was this like every weekend during a certain amount of time or like what's the timeline here? i think it was i want to say it was maybe it was only once a quarter or once every i, I feel like we went out there like six times that year so maybe it was every other month we were going out there but you can imagine like, the fun, great, original jokes that my friends had every each time. Like, <laughs> sending the Jews to 
to camp. <laughs> Didn't they learn their lesson Where from they World belong? War II? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, okay, guys. Well, it's pretty crazy you guys thought of that. It's funny, though. Uh, but, yeah, they, uh, and then after that was confirmation class. We did that in 10th grade. Okay, yeah, we did that Yeah, too. we had confirmation. We just didn't have the extracurricular bus ride to heaven. We didn't I, do it. <laughs> we didn't I, do that. <laughs> I want to say it was optional, too. I don't think it was an official thing with our temple. Like, uh, I think you had your parents had to pay extra money, obviously, for it. I'm sure be. nothing's free. No, nothing's free. But it was, uh, it was a cool experience. All in all... Being Jewish growing up in Long Beach felt almost as normal as being not Jewish. It didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel like I was, maybe I'm just misremembering. Cause I do remember plenty of instances where uh, kids made fun of me or like there were a couple kids who just wanted to beat me up just because of. Because you were Jewish. Jewish. Yep. Mike Zimmerman. I remember one of the. Was he German? Mike Zimmerman sounds kind of Jewish. I feel no, like he it was sounds German. It sounds... He said that German. his grandfather was in, like, the SS. He was a weirdo. And he, I remember him arguing with me on AOL Instant Messenger. And arguing saying, or bullying? <laughs> bullying. <laughs> bullying, for sure. And he was a... I think he was a grade younger than me, but he definitely... It was funny because he, he would say really threatening, awful things. And then write like LOL. <laughs> he was a trailblazer. Right. If only he knew now how saying LOL could undo everything that you've said before it. Yeah. I really wonder where he is now, too. He's I hope he's probably at like a QAnon meeting or something in yeah. Florida. What was your AOL instant message name? What are you trying to get my <laughs> security questions for my uh <laughs> Little Jew Boy 91. <laughs> I, no, I think it was I think it was named after my dog, the Boomer. Boomer Boomer 2415 or something like that, probably. Yeah, right, yeah it was Boomer 2415. It was my very first one. Oh nice. That's like everyone good one. remembers that's not their too first three names. No. Why? What were yours? I had several. My mine was True Pop Star One. <laughs> <laughs> Because true pop star was taken. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was uh, pretty in pink, like 2-9. Pink is my favorite color. Spoiler alert. And then at one point I had Jess Nick because my middle name is Nicole. So it was like Jess Nicole. And it was at the time that Newlyweds, the show with Jessica oh. Simpson and Nick Lachey was very popular. Everyone thought it was about them. And it was not a good screen name for that reason. So Ben, your middle child, your your siblings, are they in the neighborhood, LA still, not LA? Are they practicing? Do they have kids who are Jewish? What's the tea? Uh, my brothers and I, none of us are married. None of us have children. Older brother Sam lives in Texas in oh. a, a city called Bryan or a college station. I don't know. They're like How's the same that? city. Oh, yeah. It's where Texas A&M is. And he, that happened because he, his girlfriend, I don't know how he met his girlfriend. He never really told us. I assume he met her online because how else would you meet a woman who lives in Texas? He moves out there. They live together. Younger brother, Nate, uh, he lives in Costa Mesa, which is in Orange County. Mm -hmm. And neither of them. 
practice or anything. However, Nate does have the Star of David tattooed on his thigh because he's covered in tattoos. And I was like, you know, in the Jewish religion, you're not supposed <laughs> to get tattoos. So it's kind of extra funny that you would get a symbol of Judaism branded on your body. But hey, what did he have to say about that? He just was like, yeah, I know, but part of, <laughs> you know, tattoos are supposed to be meaningful and part of who he is. So, yeah, you know, who am I to judge? He's got like 50 tattoos. But he doesn't really practice, and neither of them practice. We're all terrible. I don't think you're terrible. You're just... I'm kidding. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just... <laughs> do, you, do both of you practice? No. <laughs> no. In both our own practice. ways. I mean, in our own ways. Like, yeah. I eat matzah and I so good. starve myself on Yom Kippur for fun. That's more and than I do. All right. Everyone practices in their own way. I think yeah. you just identifying as Jewish and you mm-hmm. tweeting out on behalf of some opinion you might have about Israel is practicing. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we all, it's a, it's within us. It's not what we do. It's how we think about it. Damn right. Ben, I do get very Jewish energy from you. Like I could immediately... Mm-hmm tell i mean your name's ben Khan, so obviously that helps but i was like okay this person has jewish energy they're giving me the vibe which i think counts as practicing more than anything sending a tweet about israel is definitely up there with observing yom kippur and rosh hashanah in terms of <laughs> being probably more brave <laughs> it's uh i mean it's 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 definitely crazy how and it kind of proved my point that all these people then chimed in and extrapolated from that tweet that I was automatically saying 10 different things that I did not say. And yeah, you know, I got a decent amount of Twitter followers. So part of me thought this is kind of scary. This is kind of a bad idea. But then I thought that's so fucked up that I shouldn't, that I should be afraid to say something. Right. I, I, I shouldn't hide away from any kind of belief that I have, no matter how controversial it might be. Um, well, I would disagree with that. I mean, if I, there are certain beliefs that you probably should keep. <laughs> I have none of those. I have good, perfect beliefs. Otherwise, all my opinions are good <laughs> and correct. But yeah, this one in particular, just, and it's not the first time I've done that. I, I, during the, Shake Jarrah thing, it was it was overwhelming to see how many oh, people yeah. were it, it it seemed to be that people were using that event to sound off on just everything else about the entire conflict. And again, we're doing it via shared infographics and and <laughs> sentence long quips about like, you know, just finger waggy shit and sharing Bella Hadid posts and it drove me up the wall because I was seeing people sharing opinions about it where where I knew I'm like I know that this person does not know even what happened like 20 years ago so what I did back then what I did back then was I, I just tried to provide people with a little bit more context and again I I don't I I shouldn't even have to apologize in advance, but I am sorry if this ruffles any feathers either with you or with anyone of your listeners. It won't ruffle any with us. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Well, so what I did was 
And part of it was educational for me because I really didn't know the extent of it. But I went through the Wikipedia page for the history, the timeline of Palestinian terrorist violence. And it was global. There were plane hijackings. There were bombings. There were kidnappings. There were all sorts of crazy shit that wasn't unique. It wasn't specifically just targeting uh, Jews or Israelis. There were other completely innocent victims. And then that, and so what I was doing was I was just screenshotting, highlighting and screenshotting. And it took me a long time because there were like 40 or 50 instances where I was like, bam, 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 (laughs) culminating in the barrage of suicide bombings during the early 2000s. And that blew my mind because I didn't know about it. I did not know that 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 they used women and children suicide bombers. And I was sharing that. And what I kept, my commentary was like, what do you want us to do? (laughs) What are we supposed to do with this? How, how can you be, how can you declare? And this is what I was ended up saying on Twitter is like, how can you continue to declare bloody never-ending war and then act surprised when you are treated as a hostile enemy like how can you how can you send like part of the thing was that they were people were sharing like and it's it's always horrible to me it is objectively horrible seeing children of course. treated mm-hmm. with hostility but it's like people see that and they don't know so they just think look at them being cruel for the sake of cruelty and i had to be like Buddy, 15 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago, they were strapping bombs to teenagers and like 12 year olds. That's why they're treating them this way, because they don't know anyone could be. It's fair game. And they're not the ones who created that. They're the ones who were on the receiving end of it. So you're going to act accordingly. And it sucks and it it looks terrible. And by golly, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I will say real fast that. Part of what really bothers me about where the situation is just from a PR perspective is the fact that like, I feel gross and I feel weird even mentioning the word Israel in a totally neutral context. I know. It feels taboo and it feels naughty and it feels like even saying it without it being a critique of it is an automatic all out, I'm pro-Israel and fuck all Palestine. It feels that way and it shouldn't. And that's part of the frustration that I was voicing the other day was that it it feels like it's devolved into the conversation being strictly one or the other. And like, I'm going to, I'm leaving to Tel Aviv on uh, Thursday. By the way, I'm not, one of the, I'm not one of those, because I know that there are a lot of Jewish guys who are like, you know, they go to, fucking Israel twice a year. I've been like three times, but yeah, I'm going. Hey, this that's two more good. times than me. I'm, it's a very special place and I'm going uh, Thursday for a wedding and I felt, I'm like, man, I, I would love to like post pictures and stuff while I'm there, but I'm scared to do it because I feel like people are going to be like, you fucking Zionist big and you fucking, <laughs> you're, 
you're in Palestine. And I'm like, okay, just leave me All the alone, haters have a, have a vaguely Italian <laughs> accent. Or... Hey, you fucking you Palestinian pig. <laughs> I said Palestinian pig. I meant Zionist pig. Something that I want to say that I think could be very cathartic and therapeutic that I've started to do is if you go and my stance on Israel is constantly changing and I have a lot of complicated, complex feelings about it, but I definitely don't like, uh, anti-Semitism or hate toward any group of people who aren't hurting another group of people. Um, so if you look up certain hashtags, like fuck the ADL, (laughs) you'll see posts on Twitter and Instagram that are like not within the community guidelines. So you just like report those people and it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like torture to go through and like, look at those posts because some of them are really horrible, but it feels like you're doing something to like stop the spread of like hate and misinformation. And it feels like you're like dunking on people who suck. So you should try that. I really like that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun. Yeah. It feels, yeah, because the big thing is that it is a massive, like it's an information war. And Mm -hmm. uh, just talking to a couple older friends who are in their 40s, they have shared with me that it it wasn't like this before. In in like the early 2000s, most American progressives viewed Israel as a very progressive place and they were very much like on that side if if we're gonna divide into two sides like we do everything everybody was very on the side of israel <clears throat> and then i i think it was around you know social media starting to kick up it feels like the last 10 years it has just completely turned and i think a lot of it has to do with young people who are if this is the right word ideologues uh yeah. who who view everything just through one just right and wrong black and white uh you've got to adhere to the the right set of opinions and if you deviate at all from that you are x y and z mm-hmm. and it it sucks and it's really disheartening and frustrating i do see some gen z like creators online who are starting to push back against that and openly talk about how we should all utilize more critical thinking skills in our consumption sure. of uh, the media, especially when it's on when it's been edited and condensed and filtered down by the time it makes it to our timelines. But. <sighs> <laughs> I just feel like I've been talking at you both for 15 that, minutes. It's a about podcast, this. honey. That's uh, what, it's what we for. do. <laughs> we never talk about Israel this much on the show, which goes to show that Jews are much more than Israel. We've had over 50 episodes. And I think wow. maybe on like this is episode 66. Um, maybe on like three or four episodes. We've, so we've spoken about, about we've spoken about Israel a lot on the Doctor Doctor Oh God, the Rabbi Karen episode, and then mm-hmm. we've We've spoken about infographics a fair amount. And, yes, infographics. Um, but no, it's fucking great. I also just like agree wholeheartedly with everything you're saying. And it's rare that I can see eye to eye with, you know, someone. So thank you. Thank you for validating all of my opinions. <laughs> That's lovely. And, you know, I will. Uh, 
I don't mean to like hijack the conversation or anything or steer it in whatever direction I, but, but it, you steer know, away. It's, it's a podcast. I do find it interesting that there, I don't know if it's a product of the Israel Palestine uh, conflict and social media and how it's kind of, but it's gotten into my own brain. Like I said, like even mentioning the word Israel feels bad and I feel yeah. bad talking about it because it feels like I'm instantly condoning everything when I'm not, but there's sort of become an internalized anti-Semitism that I feel sometimes where oh yeah, I, 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 I don't even know really it, it. Basically, whenever I see a living, walking, breathing stereotype, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Why do you have to do that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, like, yeah, why don't you give us an example? Yeah, for example, like, are talking about one of us? <laughs> no, no, no. You're both lovely. Uh, I As feel, opposed to the rest of the Jews who are fucking disgusting. <laughs> when, yeah, sure. I'm talking about, I mean, really, I'm, I'm kind of talking about the, like, a lot of the Hasidic population. Oh, in New yeah. York, yeah. Where it's like, God, do you guys have to do your hair like that? Do you have to, <laughs> like, come on, you guys, get with the program. Uh, just. Do you remember when they were just like the sole group of people spreading COVID 19? <laughs> that was bad PR. And the fact that they they do factually own a lot of property and are like the landlords, it's like, you guys are just, you're killing me here. Stop it. And I know. Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein. We got some stains. That just goes to show one person is not the entirety of a group. You know what I mean? You have to look at people on the whole and understand that, you know, someone is not their religion or they're not their job. You know, we're calm, as I said, complex, nuanced individuals and a complex and flawed group of people as well. But I think some people aren't able to look at things with that analytical analytical point of view. It's like everything's like has to be so black and white now, which is just not reality. What do we think the shift was like in the ether? Like what was can we pinpoint it on something when like super young liberals decided that like the woke mob yeah like <laughs> like why is the woke mob what what was the turning I was, point <laughs> i was kidding because i feel like conservatives i'm not kidding love to talk about the woke mob and like, i mean it's a real thing guys i'm liberal but like it's a thing we're all see that's the thing what you're talking about is representative of what everybody feels in private but is too afraid to discuss publicly um because the vocal minority rules the conversation online and that same minority will and has the capability to destroy you and, and destroy your reputation if they so choose, if they feel that you have committed an atrocity that warrants that or, or even if it doesn't, they're just, you know, people will people enjoy tearing others down. I mean, we do For it sure. with celebrities all the time. It's um, it's gross and it's. It's who we are. It's who people are. It's how we are as a species. We just, it's that schadenfreude and that feeling that, hey, if they're having a bad time, I must be doing okay. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm guilty of feeling it. If someone, if, if, I don't know. I, I got no good examples of it off the off the top of my head but oh i have a good example <laughs> i'm willing to show my cards okay 
there's an influencer who, or a, a TikToker, who was oh. light canceled Tinks. Tinks, oh, okay. And do you know who Tinks has been? No. She has like 1 million followers on TikTok and less followers on Instagram, but she's pretty popular. And there was some unsavory, uh, racist and fat phobic tweets that she had sent and they became public. I think people just like scrolled through her Twitter. That's how they became public. And um, (laughs) a lot of people turned on her and like her, the Reddit page that was like Tink Snark, like blew up. And I was going to Tink Snark to read what people were saying about her. And I was like, yeah, like, she sucks. Like, I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she did that. And I was getting a little bit of joy out of it. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I'm just as bad as her. Like, I'm not just as bad as her. I'm different. But I think, like, you know, it didn't make me feel better after a certain period of time. I was like, this is fucked up. Like, I should go live my life and do something else. Like, taking someone down isn't going to improve my life or anyone else's in any way. But I think it does give you that little like boost for, uh, you know, a little bit and gives you a hit and it makes you feel better for a second. So people keep doing that and doing that. It is also frustrating to, because it'd be one thing if, if Tink was tweeting these things present. (laughs) And I'm sure. (laughs) Tinks, 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 sorry. Tink. If, if Tinks was tweeting these things in the present day, it's obviously something that everybody should condemn and Tinks should have to, she should have to uh, issue an apology. But right. for stuff, I don't know how old the tweets were. I don't know exactly what they said, but I am... Pro- Not I, old with, enough, I'll tell you that much. Interesting. Without knowing Tinks, I'm sure that she probably not only regrets it because it's been made public, but probably wouldn't tweet anything like that today for whatever reason. It's not okay to joke about that thing because norms change. Right. Uh, things that are were considered funny 10 years ago wouldn't fly today. That's just a fact. Things and that's change. A, that's, yeah. And, and I think about that all the time where it's like, if I want, I mean, I still will go back and watch old Louis specials and laugh at things that I shouldn't be laughing fucking, at. I shouldn't have been laughing. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck is... Sorry. But, yeah, like, if you went through my Twitter, I'm sure you'd find some, like, huh, don't know why she thought that was funny things. Do it. I encourage you to. Let me know what you find. There won't be anything racist, at least, but probably some unsavory somethings. I... Sarah Silverman said something, I think, around the Louis time that really, I feel like, summed it up great. She said that it is the antithesis of progressivism to deny anyone the opportunity to grow from and apologize for previous transgressions. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is ironic that people who call themselves progressive are the same people who will just say, nope, you said that once, you're done. You're done. Yep. Nobody wants to hear from you again. You don't deserve forgiveness. Again, those same people will be the first ones to argue for giving convicted fucking criminals a second chance in society. But it's like, oh, but this person who said a bad tweet, they gotta be fucked. It's so Put true. It's crazy. It's mad. Jess is like, yeah, they should go to an island. No, you know what I was thinking? <laughs> this is the most Jewish episode we've ever had. <laughs> We're like Thank pulling, you. picking this issue apart. 
analyzing it, questioning ourselves, questioning our opinion. Really, um, it's basically like Torah study. Like this is what you do if you like study the Torah or if you go to synagogue or you celebrate any of the Jewish holidays. It's like you're reflecting, you're analyzing, and you're trying to grow from the past and from other people. So I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us too. All of that shit was lost on me as a child. I just remember Yom Kippur was like, damn, I got to apologize to someone, I guess. And (laughs) Rosh Hashanah was like, all right, we get to eat apples. And then Sukkot was, all right, but then we're going to shake a lemon and stuff. Uh, (laughs) A luloff and a grogger. Oh, yeah, yeah. An etrog. An etrog, yeah. Oh, yeah, wait, what's a grogger? That's that's Haman. That's Haman. That's Purim. I I got my holidays and my symbols all mixed up. Speaking of, how how do I segue? Um, Don't, just do it. Just go for it. I was going to say, speaking of groggers, um, you host a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about your podcast. Let's talk about your podcast. Because I I, I like it. I love it. It's interesting. I learn things. It's called Trillionaire Mindset, which is about finance. What have you learned about money in your life? What have I learned about money? Yeah. What are your thoughts and feelings? That's a really good question. I have learned, (laughs) and I have really learned. I have learned that money... Uh, will not make you happy if Mm. you are unhappy. Um, The long and short of my trading journey is that I've been, this is all in the pilot episode in episode one. Um, You can find it on YouTube, uh, Trillionaire Mindset. By the way, uh, Trillionaire Mindset is a play on all these, not to mansplain my own fucking podcast name, but there's so many like, Millionaire mindset, man, good habit Instagram accounts that are just like infographics with like, here's what you should be doing. Wake up every day at five in the morning. Go to the gym. Uh, fucking open a Robin Hood account. Just like all this shit. So just we're taking, every day open a new Robin Hood account. Every day open a new Robin Hood account. Buy buy crypto. Just hustle, 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 hustle. Start Diamond a, hands. Start a drop shipping company. Start five dropshipping companies. Bro, you should be doing all... So yeah, we called it... It was between Trillionaire Mindset, which is obviously taking that up five levels, or uh, Sad Money, which is a play on Jim Cramer's Mad Money television mm. show. But we Jim Cramer made- famously uh, made my dad lose a lot of money back in, no. I think, the 80s. <laughs> really? Before, I think before he knew, like... He works in finance, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, every time he comes on the screen, my dad's like, I can't watch that motherfucker. Good. Yeah, he's... he's uh, Bad. I'm mixed on him. I, I think that he's sometimes You harmless. talk about him a fair amount. Yeah, I, I like doing my little wrestler bit yeah. where I take off my shirt and yell. <laughs> uh, but so I was a trader. I am still a... I'm a licensed trader. Oh, uh, you have to have a license to trade? You, you don't. You have to have a license to trade the way that I do, which is called prop trading, where you give this company, in my case, $40,000, and then they leverage it 20x. So I have $800,000 of buying power, um, which is great, because otherwise I'd be trading with just 40000 and that sucks and can be difficult, because if I lose five grand, shit, now I'm only down to thirty-five. Uh, but yeah, I've got $800,000 of buying power. And then at the end of every month, I get to keep 90% of the profits, which is 
more than fair considering the, the deal. But for that, you've got to get a license. It's called a Series 57. So I had to study, take the test and whatnot. And it's great. I love it. And before that, I was trading with my own money. I only got licensed in uh, November. But cool. I I've been no trading idea. for like, yeah, it's, it's really... Uh, it's really fun. I'm glad I finally did it because I was putting it off for a long time. And I was like, I don't want to give away 10% of my profits. Fuck that. But now it's like, you idiot. This is way better. Oh, yeah. Way. It's, it's like being it's, an actor or a writer or a comedian and having an agent. Because <laughs> there are days where I'll be down $20,000. And that's a lot easier for me to stomach if it's right. not my own money where now I've got less buying power the next day. But, so, oh, sorry, am I, uh, am I boring you? <laughs> I was like, bad timing. Sorry, no, it's I It's not I, you. I'm, I'm on a different time zone. I mean, I'm in LA, but my body is <laughs> another time zone. <laughs> no, I understand. I, listen, I yawn all the time, and it, it's not a reflection on um, whether not I'm at all. having a good time. I actually, like, don't yawn that much. Um, not to brag. But I do pick my nose all the time, so like I don't know what, what oh, you'd rather. Picking your so, nose is awesome, and anyone who says otherwise is lying. It's so fun. It feels so, so good. You get a little booger out of there, you flick it. Oh, and then I don't know if you have a dog, but then your dog can just, like, the dog Oh, just no, eat. no, no, no. You guys, there's no. truly nothing I, I find more disgusting. Oh, you're you're alone in that with letting you the dog eat your boogers. But. So bad. Two oh, follow-up yes. questions uh-huh. about, the, about the money. Yeah. How much money is in your bank account? I'm kidding. <laughs> Real question, though. Do you have any tips for folks who are trying to start getting into trading or they don't have a ton of money to trade with? Like, what What are your words of wisdom? I can ha- I can help people skip years of the, the heartbreak and um, building of stupid habits that I then had to destroy. Do not invest or trade penny stocks. They are a money suck, you will lose your money, period. Um, The smartest thing that a person can do if they want to get into trading is do paper trading at first where you're just uh, just doing it for pretend to familiarize yourself with the process and whatnot. And then, you know, you slowly build up your bankroll. And honestly, I would recommend doing what I did and getting the license because I only had to study for like two months and then get the you get it and then you put that money into an account where they then leverage it and the most you can lose is the amount that you put in for the deposit uh but otherwise you know the smartest thing to do is is what conventional wisdom says which is to just sock a little bit away every month in Mm -hmm. in uh uh, index funds and just play the safe game and, and you know you can put some into companies that you like amazon you know apple what have you but um yeah, I, I fuck. I'm sorry. I keep bouncing around, but like you asked me, what a couple things I learned about the the you know the one thing was that money doesn't make you happy, but the other thing was that I can't remember now. But I think it was, <laughs> I think it was along those lines because I wanted to complete that thought. I made a lot of money, and then I went on to lose a lot of money just as well. So, and so I think that's what I was going to say is the losing money made me appreciate the money that I had while I was sad. Hmm. Mm. And I'm like, oh man, it doesn't buy you happiness, but I definitely didn't really, I, I should have been better about it when I had more of it. Um, Are you a responsible spender? 
For the most part, yeah. I still drive my 1989 Volvo that I've had for... 89? Yeah. I've That's had older for, than me. Huh? For, <laughs> I've had the damn thing for, for, I don't even know how long, 14, 13 or 14 years. Um, I have holes in a lot of my t-shirts. You know, I don't on so I don't know if that's a responsible spender <laughs> or that's just would be extremely frugal. <laughs> this is a nice shirt. This is new, newish. Is it made well? No, it is. Uh, Everlane. J Crew. J Crew. J Crew yeah. of the Madewell Company of Gap. They make a nice shirt. They do they but, make a nice shirt. Uh, and one thing that people also don't realize is just how awful taxes are. You know, oh. A lot of money. I, I, again, this is all in the first episode, but just to just to underscore what I'm talking about, and not to brag because this was four or five years ago now. But my best year, I made a little over a million dollars, and True. I was like, oh, oh, fuck! And I actually had a couple like panic attacks about it because suddenly having that much money is kind of scary. And I wasn't prepared for it. And I didn't like spend any of it. I didn't go nuts or anything. But part of what I was anxious about was the tax bill that I knew I was going to mm. have to pay. And I don't remember the exact number now because it's been so long. But it was over like $550,000 that I had to write Holy shit. a check for. It was... Oh, my God. It was the grossest feeling I have ever had in my life. They say tax the rich, but like... That's, and that's unfair. That's what sucked is I, I have a special stock tax guy and I asked him, I'm like, Colin, is there anything that we can do to avoid this? And he said, I'll put it in very simple terms. What the IRS is going to say. Did you make this much money trading stocks? I said, yes. He said, then this is how much you owe. <laughs> so I had to wire that amount out into my checking account. I saw it and then I waved by as I wrote a check for yeah, it was like, I think the state of California was like $120,000. And then... Low-key, where the fuck that money going, though? <laughs> <laughs> the police have it, I think. But then, subsequently, I lost a bunch of money. And then, thereafter, for a couple of years, I didn't pay any taxes. Because the IRS, on the flip side, is like, wow, you really fucked up. You can... Buddy, you lost a lot. You can carry, <laughs> you can carry these losses over, and we won't hold it against you. So everything comes full circle. That's true. Yeah. I stupidly did the um, AMC get in, get out. And I, I I won. I won a lot of money. That's great. <laughs> but I had to give it all away. Set taxes? Yeah. There you go. It really so it wasn't even it, worth it at all. I gave it, I gave 100% of it away. That really sucks ass. And I feel so like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I feel like. The ideal situation is to have a job where you just make a ton of money and then you can fuck around like on the side and play with your like investments or like your fun, your fuck you money. That's on having yeah. fuck you money is like the ultimate goal of life for me personally. Oh, what, what's your fuck you money number? I don't know. <laughs> At this point, I'm like 500 <laughs> <laughs> like, K. What do you think enough. it should be? <laughs> I personally, Probably like eight mil. <laughs> I, I would say above $5 million. Because with at okay. least, even even just three, really, but with about $5 million, you could live, the dividends that you could make off of uh, $5 million bucks would be a little over six figures a year, which is okay. more than enough. 
I'm going to manifest $5 million. I believe in you. I think Thank you. you. Yeah. I'm Molly, glad we uh, figured that out. This has been really useful. Only $5 million away, baby. <laughs> yeah. $4 million away. I, One question I want to ask you, Ben, since this is a podcast about religion, is it true that Jews control the financial system, or is that a rumor? <laughs> that is a complicated question. It's funny because I view, so George Soros comes to mind, and... In the finance circle, George Soros, he's far from the most uh, uh, rich man in, 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 in like the main, well, sort of, but like <laughs> in the main, in the, in the internet world, he's this shadowy figure who's, who's pulling strings and is, you know, part of the new world order or what the fuck ever. And he's got all this money, but you can look at his public filings and he's in like, I don't even remember what the fuck he was in. Cause I, you know, I follow this stuff and I saw his filings and it was like, he was in Lululemon or something and a couple other just boring stocks. And it's like, no, this guy's just, I mean, he's a ghoul and he should, <laughs> he should be dead by now, but he's not. And, and it, it, it is funny how I, I think most people just don't understand truly how, big the financial markets are and how it's impossible for there to be any one cohort that is pulling any strings because there are so many institutions and, and brokerages and investment banks and hedge fund managers and private hedge funds and all, all, this, all these things that are always pushing and pulling and going opposite each other. So it's just, it's, it's stupid to suggest that any one group is pulling the strings, unless you want to talk about like the Federal Reserve. <laughs> but, um, and that's part of what the podcast is aiming to do. We're trying to make more people care about the stock market and doing it in a way that is fun and informative. Before the podcast and before GameStop, you, I'd be lucky to have anybody care to listen to me talk about stocks or the stock market. I'd always get like, oh, that's interesting. But I would try to make it because there are stories that, that happen on a daily, weekly basis that if you understood just a little bit more about how things work, you would understand and appreciate how interesting and cool or dramatic or funny certain things are. And I always felt quite alone in that. Like, God damn, I wish I could talk to somebody about whatever the fuck is going on this week. And that was kind of the origins of the show. My friend and co-host Emil would come over and we'd be catching up and I would fill him in for 20, 30 minutes about whatever trade happened that day or whatever news thing. And he would be intrigued as someone who knows nothing. And we would, then he would make jokes about it and make me laugh. And then when, you know, the guys who run the podcast network, uh, approached me and we started talking about doing some kind of finance show, I thought, I know exactly what it's going to be and who I'm going to do it with. That's awesome. awesome. The podcast- I actually love podcast origin stories. Me too. Like, that's such a good one. Is that what you were going to say? I was going to say that. I was also going to say the podcast network hasn't approached us yet, but we're waiting <laughs> for that call. <laughs> You'll get it. <laughs> one yeah, day. Yeah, okay, for sure, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. 
I did have one last question, but I actually don't think I want to go there. I was going to say, do you think we're headed towards a recession? But I, I don't even care. I just want to live in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally, I don't even, I mean, by definition, we might be headed toward a recession. And what I mean by that is a recession technically is when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Yeah. And you can have that without simultaneously having all of the uh, effects of a recession that come to mind, like job loss and, and all that shit. You can have, a, by definition, a recession, but it essentially might be inconsequential for, for everyday people, which I is... I love that. I hope... Love an that, inconsequential recession. What might happen. Yeah, same. But uh, if you're interested, our most recent episode that we just put out like five day, days ago was with a guest <laughs> named David Dayan. It was probably our best, most informative episode and the one that is the least stupid and the least like joking around-ish. And he talks, we, we talk extensively about the supply chain and inflation and stuff. And it was very eye-opening for me and kind of answered a lot of questions I didn't even know that I had about. I'm going to listen yeah, right after this. The world works. I suggest YouTube because, you know, you get to see us. I because I haven't seen you enough this hour. I'm I'm going to just roll right into another another hour <laughs> with you, and I can't wait. I really um, will. That came off sarcastic, but I'm like kind of serious. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna watch it right after this. Am I digging my hole? Okay. Hey, um, cool. <laughs> I think we just about did it. We had so many other things to ask you, but we don't want to keep you for too long. This is fascinating. I never saw this going this direction, and I'm happy. That uh, me neither. I fucking loved every second of it. That's um, very nice. Can you give me just like. But I know I'm curious what your other questions were because I'm sure they were about Jew stuff. Wait, we did. <laughs> you. I don't know if this is correct. Wait, are you? Oh, this is fine. This is financial. Can you dispel the rumor that all Jews are rich? Feel free to give an example of a poor Jew. I can remember in my Hebrew school class there were a couple guys <laughs> who were not rich, and they had to have. You knew who wasn't rich by whoever had their bar mitzvah reception at the temple, <laughs> because that was obviously the temple would, if you didn't have money to go to a, a second location, you would just have it at the temple. And there was this kid, I can't remember his name. He was really sweet. He was a little weird, but his family clearly had like no money. And they, uh, they, you know, they only had it at the temple. It was catered by the temple. It was bare bones. Maybe they were just really good about, they just thought, this is stupid. Why are we going to spend money on this dumb kid? Right. <laughs> maybe they liked the vibe at the temple. or the Yeah, food. maybe. It was a beautiful temple with a nice dome. Yeah. And... It's not that all Jews are rich. It's just that I think that we have, I, I really don't know what it is that uh, about us. I think it is a, I think it is generations, because I used to think that generational trauma was kind of bullshit because I'm like, how can your cells have that kind of wherewithal? But then I read but something. But then you saw everything everywhere all at once <laughs> and you understood. Close. <laughs> I read some article that that essentially confirmed it, that it kind of, it, it basically is true. And totally. I think that because we always have, I'm doing a terrible job of describing this but it feels like we all have a shared scarcity mindset and we have um 
just always the fear of something bad's going to happen. So you might as well be prepared, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yep. Mm-hmm. And those attitudes tend to lend themselves to being frugal, to saving, to being smart with your money, to working hard, to put yourself in a position to be able to, you know, create those buffers. Um, and then, you know, having parents who did the same and passed down some money to you and grandparents who did the same, like, yeah, we, we, we have the benefit of having had smart, you know, I don't know about you guys, but having had some smart family members who did well enough to make sure that we want for nothing. And we, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to, I'm going to spend it all, baby. By the time I hit, I don't know, 45, it's all, I'm buying a, an old Porsche and I'm buying a, you're closing up those holes on the wall. um, Yeah. And I'm getting, I'm getting at least three new (laughs) t-shirts on sale. That was actually a far better answer than I ever could have imagined to that question. And I just, what, what a perspective. It's so true. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. I also read in an infographic that Jews weren't allowed to work in certain (laughs) jobs. (laughs) And that they had to work in finance. Yes. So I think I've, maybe that had something to do with it. I read that too, that back in the day, it's funny how it seems like everybody thought that they were like pulling one over on the old Jews. Like, hey, these fucking idiots. <laughs> you guys can work with the money because it's filthy, just like you. And we were like, <laughs> are you guys stupid? <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. We'll control the very thing that you need for a functioning society. Yeah, so much shame in that. (laughs) All right. A buddy of mine told me that uh, part of the reason why they blamed for a time, they blamed like the Black Plague on the Jews is because we were the only ones who washed our hands before (laughs) eating. Oh, yeah, that's in the Torah. So Jews like didn't get the plague with nearly as much uh, frequency or or whatever as, as other groups so naturally people were like how do they not get it it must be i've never heard that really i i mean it could be bullshit i mean i'm stupid i don't i don't read i'm stupid too so i'm not stupid i think (laughs) no jessica is very smart critical thinking is an important skill to have yes that's how i'm gonna wrap this up I think that was a great bonus question. That's available on our Patreon. Just kidding. We don't have a Patreon. <laughs> ben, thank you so much for your time, insight, your, uh, yeah, Wisdom, those two things. <laughs> comedy, companionship, thoughtfulness. Wow. And tips. And tips. Well, may I just say that this has been a pleasure for me. I really appreciate both of you having me on and talking about this, giving me a safe uh, space to express myself because um, uh, you don't get a lot of those these days. Hard and, to come by. And you're both very fun and this is very nice. So I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. This podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. Yay, Josh. We love you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs>